you've probably heard me say it before, I've grown up, uh, spent most of my life in Texas, uh, aside from the time in the Air Force and when I was younger, we moved to a couple of other states, but most of my life I've been in Texas and I grew up in a really small town, a very small town, a country town, a redneck town. And if you don't know what it means to grow up redneck, we should have a conversation. It's an interesting uh, worldview. But I remember growing up most of my life listening to country music. And one of the songs from country music's top list, uh, and I don't remember exactly the title or even the artist of it, but I remember this chorus line. And in this chorus line, he said, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And that's why DHRBs are absolutely horrifying to the elites. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. You know, the idea that someone would be persuadable. If you've spent any time in social media, just go on to oh, your Facebook, just as an example. Go into that little top bar at the top and type in coach or life coach or performance coach or executive coach, any kind of word coach at the end of it. And what you're going to find is people who want to tell you how and what and why to think. And there are a lot of people who firmly believe that that's their role in life is to teach you what and how and why to think. Now, I need you to distinguish the three from each other. How to think, what to think, and why to think. In fact, one of my favorite books, one of the ones that I wish I'd brought it with me, um, is John Maxwell's Thinking for a Change. And another one is by Bob Hamp called Think Differently, Live Differently. Thinking is an extremely important aspect of life. And why you think what you think is equally as important as what you think. How to think should be about the process. I hope you're tracking with me. This is a big deal. There are those who want to, for lack of a better term, indoctrinate you in the ways of thinking so that the conclusion you come to is always the same conclusion they've already come to. Now, in some ways of doing that, it's simply by having the conversation so many times in so many different ways that they break down your existing thoughts, change your current opinions, impact the way that you come to your conclusions simply by overriding with volume what you're hearing. Another word for that is brainwashing. Now, that can be used in both a negative and a positive way. If you have ever asked a hypnotist, for an example, to help you break a habit such as smoking or a bad habit of eating or breaking an addiction like alcohol or drugs, a hypnotist goes into the subconscious parts of your mind and helps you to recognize and become aware of things that you're thinking down deep inside that you don't even know you're thinking so that you can change the way that you think. It's a very therapeutic method. It's a process. But there's also a very gross way. And by gross, I don't mean disgusting. By gross, I mean a larger scale like the, the low number grit sandpaper that you might use to take the big rough edges off. And parents have been doing that since the dawn of humanity. 
That is when a parent says, we don't do that kind of thing in our house. Don't talk to your mother like that. Don't talk to your father like that. Don't treat your siblings like that. Those rules have been established. And for the first, usually 15 to 18 years of your life, they are reinforced on a regular basis, verbally and when necessary, physically. Those rules, those ideas, that way of thinking is reinforced over and over. An example of that, since my boys were old enough to hold a door, they've always been taught as a young man, you should be responsible for holding the door for anyone, not just about females. It's not a sex issue. It's not a, a, a gender issue. It's a politeness issue. So if you see someone headed for a door and you can get there before them, even if it's just a couple of steps, open the door and then stand out of the way of the doorway. Don't open it and stand in the doorway. Open it and stand behind it. Let the other person pass through. It's a sign of respect and courtesy. It's also a reminder to keep you, as another country song says, humble and kind. Always be humble and kind. Uh, that's an ideology. It's a way of thinking. It's not how you should think, but how you come to the conclusions that you're thinking. Follow that way of thinking. See, the challenge for elites who want you to think exactly like them is that the ability to do that rests in the ability to change what you already believe. If they want you to believe in global warming as the number one threat to the world, or they want you to believe in nuclear war as the number one threat to the world, or they want you to believe in socialism or communism as the number one threat to the world, they've got to reshape the conclusions you already have, the opinions you've always held, and the ideas that led you to believe those things. So that's what brings me to the DHRBs. See, DHRBs are, they're not just offensive if they're in one category of R's. See, the R's could be uh, Muslim or Catholic or Christian or Scientologist or Mormon. It, it doesn't matter uh, if they're R's they're threatening to the elites. If there are R's and B's together, like a Mormon belief system or a Catholic belief system or a Christian belief system or a Muslim belief system, they're threatening. And they're threatening because they have a foundation to them. You can go all the way back to the beginning of the idea and go, why do you believe that? And there's actually an answer to that question. If you watch a lot of the elitism in politics today, what you see is that today's answer is not the same as yesterday's answer. The phraseology that's used today wasn't used yesterday. In fact, what was used yesterday or two weeks ago or five months ago or three weeks ago or even used by one group of people in the elite circle is not tolerable by other people. An example, one candidate can say, if you're eight years old and you choose to be transgender, then that should be without any discrimination. And another candidate for another job altogether uses the phrase gender preference or sexual preference and is castigated because they're told, no, being transgender is not a choice. Wait, if it's a choice you can make at eight years old or a decision you make... So which is it? Is it a choice or is it not a choice? Is it a decision that the individual gets to make or is it not a decision the individual gets to make? And the, the, the real truth is, as long as there are no DHRBs, then you can kind of change that playing field on a regular basis. The problem with DHRBs is that they have roots like a tree. Now, recently, I drove past an accident that had already happened and uh, a nearly brand new Chevy pickup four-door 
totaled, driver was deceased. And the little tree they hit wasn't much bigger around than my leg. And you know what it did to the tree? It knocked the leaves off. Why? Because the roots on that tree go several feet into the ground. And what's sticking up out of the ground looks like a small tree, but its roots are deep. That's a DHRB, a deeply held religious belief. A deeply held religious belief usually comes from a deeply held faith. That deeply held faith comes from an antiquated old-time religion. And the power of that old-time religion is that it is deeply vested. It's been around a minute. What do you know about things that have been around a minute? They're not just old and outdated. There's a reason they last. Let me use this illustration to close. When I was in England in the early 90s with the Air Force, a friend of mine was talking about having built his house. And he said, I had to restart the building of this house four different times. And I'm like, why would you have to restart? He said, because there's an inspection process in the foundation of the house. I'm like, well, I think everybody's home gets inspected. I mean, we do that in America too. He said, but you probably don't do it the way they do it here because they're testing for a very specific stress test. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, when you build a house in the UK, if the foundation doesn't meet a stress test for a 200 year survival, they will tear it down and make you start over. Four times he started over to build his house because his house is designed to remain in place, not less than 200 years. Now in that same town, I saw a house for sale with a big for sale sign out front and they were having an open house and we went and knocked on the door and there was no echo whatsoever to the knocking on the door because the door was so solid. And when the lady took us in and gave us a tour of the house, obviously it was out of our budget. They wanted, and this was in the early 90s, 490,000 pounds for this house. So that would have been close to $800,000 35 years ago. In this house though, the archways of solid stone with no mortar. The walkways, it was a, a, originally a Spanish villa. And she said the house itself was close to 400 years old. 400 years. Do you think a house in the U.S. will last 400 years these days? I mean, our country is only 250. So it's, it's hard to imagine. But see, when you build a house on a foundation that's solid, on a rock, not on sand, on a foundation that's designed and tested, to, to sustain everything that hits it for 200 years. You don't have foundation problems like we have in Texas where you have to come in every three to five years and put in new cables and pour more concrete under your house because the sand that your house is built on has moved. And that foundation is what's known as a DHRB, a deeply held religious belief. And I don't care what your faith is. I'll let you judge that on your own. If you want to talk about that, about what your religious held beliefs are, I'm glad to, to have that discussion with you. But I want you to know right now that deeply held religious beliefs, DHRBs are under attack from every direction, for every denomination all over the globe. And the reason is that the concepts like socialism and communism, world dominance and one world religion, will not stand in the face of DHRBs. DHRBs that are based on the Bible or based on the Talmud or based on the Quran, those kind of beliefs that are hundreds, if not thousands of years old, those kinds of beliefs, they present significant problems for people who want to change the rules of the game every day and re 
indoctrinate society on a regular basis. DHRBs are a huge threat. As leaders, our challenge is to ask the question, why do you think what you think? Where did you come up with that idea? And if that idea is a flippant idea, if that idea is today's idea and it has no merit in fact, or that idea is dangerous or reckless, or it's nothing more than the opinion of an individual with no basis in fact, then it should be challenged. Not for the purpose of destroying it, but for the purpose like a foundation of testing it. Will it stand the test of time? Will that idea, will that opinion, will those facts as you, as you see them, will they survive 200 years? If the answer is no, then stress test them. Put them under pressure and see what happens. If you're a leader, part of your job is to understand what your own DHRBs are. Where'd you get them? Why do you have them? Why do you hold on to them? Do they serve you well? Do they serve society well? And if the answer is no, then stress test them. Maybe you need to destroy them. But if they do serve you and society well, then you should have the obligation of teaching those and sharing those with other people so that they too can have a foundation that will last 200 years, which means at least their lifetime and potentially three generations. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.